Blog Talk Radio. What is going on, everybody? It is Friday, February 3, two days before the big game, big Super Bowl matchup down in Houston with the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons in a game that everyone is talking about at nauseam. Two weeks to prepare. Both teams, media has talked about every side and every angle. It is getting kind of nauseating. But we are ready for kickoff and looking forward to a big game in two days. This is Ryan Berger taking you through the next hour, 45 minutes, uh, inside the Burger Shop, another podcast, a discussion at the intersection of sports, entertainment, culture, marketing, tech, and more. It's been a good week, a lot of uh, action going on here in New York with the Knicks and some of the other Things going on that aren't going as well as they could be, but of course, all eyes in the sports world are on this weekend down in Houston. And to talk just for slightly of a couple minutes on the game, you know, you have a high-powered Atlanta team uh, with a very quick defense. A lot of young kids in that secondary. Matt Ryan, MVP, should get that MVP tomorrow night at the dinner. And of course, on the other side, you have the hated Pats who have just been incredible under Brady and Belichick going for another ring. Uh, you know, just continue to find ways to win, plugging guys in, lose Gronk, doesn't seem to matter, find guys like Chris Hogan who didn't even play college football, and now uh, looking like they have a real chance to favorite in Sunday's Super Bowl. So I hope everybody will have a good time, have some wings, enjoy themselves a little bit. Uh, hopefully hit a couple boxes and anything else that anybody wants to play when it comes to the Super Bowl. I myself think Atlanta's got a real shot. They've got an incredible offense, but the key, as always, with New England is you got to knock Brady down. He's just too good, and if you give him any time, he's going to bury you. So you have to find ways, and if you look at how the Giants beat New England, it's always about knocking Brady down and out of his spot. So hope everybody enjoys the game on Sunday and all the festivities. Before we move on, to our 
of guests, I want to quickly thank our sponsors. Of course, thanks to our founding sponsor, Hyper. Hyper is the leader in influencer marketing identification of influencers with over 10 million influencers on their platform. Check them out at Hyperbrands, H-Y-P-R-Brands.com. They just launched a brand new 3.0 rollout. The stuff looks really incredible. So thanks to Hyper. Of course, thanks to the Crowdsline.com. The Crowdsline is the leader in making your sports predictions, head on over to thecrowdsline.com. There's so much action tonight and tomorrow with the NBA. College hoops is heating up. All kinds of upsets the last couple of weeks, pretty much about five weeks out from Selection Sunday. Head on over to thecrowdsline.com, win all kinds of prizes. Now, of course, to our newest sponsor, Pita Express, 15 Ann Street down in Manhattan, the best Mediterranean food in New York City. Head on down. Let Billy Kotler know you're a fan of the podcast, and Billy will get you some hummus and some other appetizers. Pita Express, 15 Ann Street down in Manhattan. And now we're joined today by uh, one of the great entrepreneurs in, out there and the CEO of PureWow. He's been recently in the news being bought by the great Gary V Gary and all the things that Ryan Harwood has been up to, and we're excited to finally be able to have Ryan Harwood on our show. Ryan, you're on Inside the Burger Shop. The grill is always hot, so be careful on this Friday. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Happy Friday. It's great to uh, it's great to be Friday, and it's great to have a couple days before the big game. Who's your team, and what's your thoughts on the uh, big game this weekend? I am not a Patriots fan. I'm sure there's a lot of people in this world that are not Patriots fans. We're all jealous of all their success. So um, I'm going to be candid. I'm not a diehard NFL fan um, like most people are. I'm much more on the NBA side of things, but I am not rooting for the Patriots, that's for sure. <laughs> very, very good. That makes that makes uh, that makes two of us. And I, I want to talk to you about hoops and specifically the Knicks. I know you're a big season ticket holder and a big fan. And now with uh, selling your company, I'm sure you'll be able to hopefully move down a couple rows and see what the heck is going on 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 that court <laughs> in the garden. But before we uh, before we talk Knicks, I want to sort of congratulate you for the you know incredible news and of course the all the hard work you you've put in. You're, you know you, you guys are the premier destination for. You know, w- women's fashion, women's lifestyle, uniques are really incredible. You've obviously done really well. Revenue doubled in 2016 over 2015. Great campaigns, big brands. But tell us a little bit for the people as a big, heavy, you know, male audience here. Tell us a sense of how did you get started with what you're doing? How did you come up with the concept of? I know you were in finance of this whole concept of marketing to women, um, and maybe we could take it from there. Sure. Uh, as you pointed out, I was in the finance industry for majority of my career. I worked at Goldman Sachs for most of that. Um, and toward the latter end of that career move, I lost passion uh, for the finance industry. It just didn't get me fired up like it used to. And I really, really meant, wanted to be an entrepreneur, not just because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but because I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to, to utilize skill sets that weren't being utilized in corporate America or in finance in general. So uh, I had a lot of friends in the, in the media and tech industry. wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that would allow me the opportunity to, to utilize some of those skill sets that weren't being used and um, started just 
having conversations with a lot of different people that had invested in some early stage media companies. And at first I did think I was going to do something for men, um, given that I was a young guy, but quickly learned that women were better consumers. They were dominating social media at the time, much more willing to share content with their friends than their male counterparts. You know, men share crude jokes and sports highlights all the time. And women, if it resonates with them, will share uh, a piece of content with 20 of their friends. And and a lot of the, the advertising budgets I learned went towards women, um, you know, beauty and fashion and CPG, et cetera, some, some of the biggest advertisers in the world. So I started holding focus groups with women. This was a nine-month process. Um, really wanted to learn where the white space was because I, I obviously did not know enough about the, the female content space at the time. And hired a moderator, did some surveys online, and asked some simple questions just to start. Where are you getting your lifestyle content online, etc.? Learned several themes fairly quickly, but the, the majority of the themes tied back to, to one core thought, which was there, there really was no modern-day option for a woman in her 30s, low 40s, kind of the upper millennial, lower Gen X generation of women. Um, there was just a missing gap in, in, in the new media landscape there, which was shocking considering how, uh, how important these women were in making purchases for their household, for themselves, for their parents, for their kids, for their friends. So um, their passion became my passion when I learned what they were missing and what they were embarrassed about for sites that were meant to be for them. So that's kind of how it all got started. That's how Pure Wow came about. Interesting, really, really, really interesting. And your point on women uh, being incredible consumers and brands advertising to them makes makes so much sense. When we look at the hyper data on PureWow, incredible amount of followers, but you know, really strong presence on places like Pinterest, Instagram, of course, Facebook. Um, you know, how, how has the business changed, sort of, when you got into it, and then where it is today? Has it changed dramatically, or is it just kind of grown and gotten bigger? It's it's changed pretty dramatically, not not from the core um, thesis that who we were targeting and and the the essence of the brand. We you know we stand for fun. Our tagline is elevate the everyday. So it's all about making this woman's life more beautiful, more manageable, more efficient on a day to day basis. So it, that has stayed consistent. It's more the uh, the distribution channels and kind of the the mentality of our editorial staff had changed because of all the rapid changes in the digital industry in general. We also had, you know, a board and investor base in the beginning that was very used to a certain business model that we had, we changed over time just uh, for for survival of the fittest and because where we saw attention was moving. So at first we were very focused on email. First two years of existence. You know, uh, we had a few investors that were the early day investors behind companies like Daily Candy and Thrillist, et cetera. And, um, you know, probably around two to three years in, uh, around the 2012 time frame, 2013, we shifted a lot of our resources um, towards the, to building out the traffic on the site, to building a loyal audience there, to building out our social platforms primarily. You know, Facebook back then was the dominant, still is dominant, but, you know, Pinterest wasn't around yet. Um, so we, we started shifting resources there, creating more of a fast publishing content model. So the edit editors had to shift their mind frame from kind of this um, methodical, low volume of content via email distribution per day to much more content production without sacrifice and quality, which obviously 
you know, they had to grind and work harder because of it, but then we also had to staff up over time when we could. So, you know, it's more expensive to produce more quality content, of course, but fortunately we uh, we were doing a decent job of monetizing and then we were able to reinvest it and reinvest in more content over time. And uh, so so the, the model did change for sure. And it's been an amazing, incredible journey, just learning all the ins and outs of this industry and learning how to run a business. You know, it's interesting, Brian, you know, you, when I look at your social following on Hyper, one of the things that really stands out is almost 60-40 split on your social following of about 2 million people, which is interesting considering that it is a women's lifestyle destination and, and, and digitally and different than a bar where if women are going to be there, you know, the next person that's going to be is men. In this case, you have a, a sort of a, of a website and a portal for women to learn and shop and experience and read about things and share content. Why do you think so many men follow you guys and are part of the discussion that you guys are currently having? Yeah, it is fascinating because um, I actually did not notice that until I pointed it out. Um, And we, on the site and the email, is actually uh, 85% women. So social, obviously, is a slightly different beast. You just have so much more mess volume on platforms like Facebook that it's inevitable that other genders and people are going to seek you out and find your your content. I think that we have some gender-neutral categories like travel and family and consumer technology that probably attract uh, other genders uh, besides the other gender, (laughs) besides for men, uh, besides for women. But, uh, you know, I think we're predominantly women because obviously fashion, beauty, um, food and recipes, kind of cooking at home, stuff like that, uh, tend to skew a little bit more female. But yeah, food in general also is a little bit more gender neutral. So that's potentially the reason yep. why. Makes sense. We see on the hyper uh, report travel, fitness, even DJing. So that makes a lot of sense when it comes to when it comes to men. And so so. Give us a sense, Ryan, about how how a brand works with PureWow. Give us sort of an example. X brand comes to you and says, I really am intrigued by your audience. How do we work together, and what are the kinds of things you can do? And if there's a even a case study you can share, that would be great. Sure, I will. I'm just curious to know. I want to clarify for a second. You just said DJ. Was that on my personal account or PureWow's account? That's on the PureWow account. Well, we find that the key interests on PureWow is yoga, DJing, fitness, travel, and fashion. And that is pulled from your, the followers who follow PureWow across the five channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So what, we look, what Hyper does is look at who follows you and then who else they follow and what other conversations they're engaged in. So one of the things that's so special about Hyper is the ability to find out things that you frankly could never really understand or know unless you had data or something like this. It's like we always show the Kate Upton example where she's got 87% following as men and 52% of her following are in the U.S., but yet Bobby Brown just named her face of Bobby Brown Cosmetics, but she only has 13% women who follow her. So it's using sort of data like that, and she's not influential that much in beauty, but she's really influential in basketball and golf and game and video games, which is why she was in Game of War, because her audience is 87% men. So it's looking at ideas like that and understanding data that is coming from places that you wouldn't be able to sort of capture, but that can open up some eyes. So as you 
you look at your strategy on social, where you're going to get the most engagement and resonation from your audience is going to be in areas like DJs and fitness and travel and yoga and fashion. Very cool. We've got to invite Avicii into the office, I guess. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to quickly you know, talk a little bit about how you guys work with brands and, and what you do and h how a brand could sort of work with PureWow and all the, all the sort of community that you've been able to build working with them. Yeah, so the way we work with brands is they typically approach us because they're trying to reach this audience. Um, and they also, we stand out in the space for our ability to create very quality branded content and tell stories that are going to form an emotional connection with the brand, educate, entertain our consumer base. And then we will create said content for multiple platforms um, and distribute that content on those different platforms. So that's going to include our owned and operated, the site, the email, as well as our social channels. That can span video, it can span infographics, it can span um, straight articles. So it, essentially we are a creative shop within the publisher if you really want to um, lift the hood because we're creating so much content, digital content on behalf of our clients. But we're definitely a media a company first because we do own and operate our own audience and have a, a trusted voice and kind of a relationship with these folks on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not just about the client content. So who is, who's an example of like sort of, if you, if you will, who a, a client that you guys are currently working with or have worked with in the past, and, and, and how do they reach that? How do they reach that you know, audience? Obviously, Everyone is trying to move away from banners and traditional static advertising and you know, into a way that there's integrations, experiences. Um, you know, where have you guys landed or what kind of things do you guys offer that allow brands to play in a sort of multi-purpose 360 opportunity? Yeah, so we work with a variety of, of Fortune 500 brands, Fortune 1000 brands. Uh, it spans the gamut from... Uh, P&G to Unilever to L'Oreal to Estee Lauder to Nordstrom to Macy's to American Express, Chase, Ikea, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, um, Neiman Marcus, Bergdorf Goodman. I mean, it really spans the gamut across multiple categories, Sargento, Mondelez, um, Hershey's, Coca-Cola. So it's mostly big national brands. Um, and... You know, for instance, well, let's take Nordstrom for a second. Nordstrom is a good client of ours. We, um, they want to, for their spring fashion campaign, they're releasing lots of new sandals and shoes. Um, we are going to, instead of just solely doing banners or online video distribution of their, of their pre-roll or something like that, we're going to actually create um, content on their behalf that we know is going to resonate with our audience because of the way it looks and feels, because of our voice, because we're telling the story in a very specific way. We're going to maybe create a destination on Pure Wow that we're going to drive a lot of our users to that is contextual relevance about how to wear those sandals, how to style them properly, where you can find them online to buy them, what type of women are wearing them, what type of outfits, etc. Different categories. It's going to have beautiful user experience, beautiful design associated with it, customized to uh, accomplish their KPI. So whether it's brand awareness, whether it's brand lift, whether it's purchase intent, whether it's sales, we're going to create something different accordingly. And then we're going to 
massively distribute that content to our, our audience on, on the site, on email, as well as Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, Snap, wherever the attention is, we're going to make sure we're, we're, we're getting to our audience with that content we're creating. Very, very cool. Again, we're talking to Ryan Harwood, the CEO of PureWow, one of the great destinations for women and certainly one of the great entrepreneurs of New York and, and out there today. And, uh, you know, big year in 2016, doubled your revenue. And then, of course, the big announcement in 2017 with the purchase of, of PureWow by, by Gary Vee and, and his crew. Ryan, talk to us sort of as we wrap up the conversation around PureWow. Besides some late nights at Sundance, how, how did something like this kind of get started and, and discussed? And then, of course, how did it happen? And I know that there were a lot of nights sort of watching you know, Ben Lear hopefully stand up straight and coming back from late nights and, at Sundance from all those clubs, having all that fun that you guys have out there. But give us a sense of how this all came about and, uh, and how you decided to make this happen to kick off 2017. Yeah, sure. How did you know about Sundance? That's my first question. <laughs> well, I've been at Sundance a bunch, and, you know, you guys aren't shy with uh, your social media uh, uh, amplification, let's put it that way. There you go. There you go. There you go. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> um, so the question was how did it come about, or what was exactly the yeah, point of the question? Yeah, how did it come about? Was this something that you were interested in for a while? Have you thought about making this decision? Did yeah. you, or did this come out of nowhere? How, how did you sort of kick off 2017 with, you know, obviously such a, a great announcement? Yeah, so it was it was a, a, a long process, longer than I thought it would have taken for to, to, for two people that trust each other and are, are such close friends. Um, it, it's just the way it is. Telling a company is is incredibly difficult, huh. but um, it it essentially it really was such a random thing. We were not expecting it. We were sitting there watching. Uh, you'd love this. We were watching a, a meaningless Knicks Pistons game at Sundance, actually, and that was <laughs> the first conversation that it came up. All the other guys were out, and uh, me and Gary were sitting there watching the the, the game, and. We kind of were just talking about the industry in general and talking about some of the larger companies on the media side, the BuzzFeed, the vices of the world, and, and what was going on underneath their hood. And it was fascinating because really the thesis was that like those companies are essentially doing what Vayner does. Just Vayner isn't a media company, and they didn't have any owned and operated audience. But you know, if they did, they had a face, and they had something on top of it that was a media machine um, – it's very similar to some of the biggest companies out there in the media space. So we kind of like looked at each other, and of course the the conversation evolved. It didn't it didn't stop there in the sense of that was kind of the the only thing we thought of. We thought of so many more synergies along the way that just kept getting more and more exciting. But um, that is kind of how the conversation got started, and. You know, I was not looking to, to proactively sell the company. I wasn't opposed to it. It was really just a matter of what was going to be the smartest move, both economically for myself, my investors, for my team, and whether the future aligned the visions with whoever was going to maybe come in and, and be a partner with us. So um, I was absolutely not interested in selling the company if the visions were not aligned. We had a lot of traditional media companies, old publishing houses that came around for the past couple of years, and the visions were not aligned at all. Um, so I very much steer cleared of that. But I mean, Gary is one of the best entrepreneurs of our generation and a lot of fun to work with. And 
Um, I knew that we were going to be able to remain autonomous and have freedom and build something much bigger together, uh, and it was going to be a lot of fun, and my team would be able to remain intact. Uh, We weren't going to have to try to find efficiencies over the teams and cost-cutting. This was a build exercise. This was a grandiose vision that we have, and that vision involves building something, we, a new company called The Gallery, which is going to be a portfolio of media companies um, that truly matter to the end consumer. And we are going to use the core competencies that we've built at PureWow to, to build other brands from scratch or potentially acquire other brands over the next several years. And that is going to be a sister company to the ad agency VaynerMedia that he built, which obviously has a a tremendous amount of capabilities. So they are definitely separate companies, but there are some synergies on the content creation side of things, particularly in video and social content and and expertise on, on amplification of that content. So... There's a lot of really cool things that we're we're up to. We're building a 40,000-square-foot studio in Long Island City for video production. Uh, Did our first virtual reality project with Diageo. Going to be doing some really cool Facebook video. Um, So a lot of things on the horizon, but that's that's the vision, and it was very exciting to learn that vision, uh, that that vision aligned with both me and Gary's entrepreneurs, because that was the the number one thing I needed to check off the box if we were going to entertain selling the company. Classic American dream, incredible story, how it, how it started, and obviously how it was uh, sold in the beginning of this year. We're talking to the CEO of PureWow, Ryan Harwood. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanHarwood27 with a 2 and a 7 at the end. And Ryan, the title of this podcast is Talking Media Mellow and More with Ryan Harwood. So let's get to the more important stuff, which is obviously your love of the Knicks. Big season ticket holder, big fan. Give us a sense of kind of how you're feeling, which probably is similar to how you felt the past uh, 15 years about what's going on with the team and the <laughs> franchise. Um, you know, it's obviously been an incredibly tough year. In a, in a year where most thought they had a real chance to finish in the top four, top five um, in the East, although I'm not sure what that would have done uh, in the playoffs. But give us a sense of kind of what you're feeling and, and your thoughts on what you've seen so far from the team. Yeah, man. Wow, did this spiral away from us so quickly? I, I, st- I still vividly remember being Christmas Day, getting so excited to watch that Knicks Celtics game, and and us being just half a game out of that third slot, vying with the Celtics for that third slot, and me being like, God, this is so much fun having a team that is competing day in day out, and just it just spiraled after that game. We lost that game after we almost came back actually we in the last like three minutes of the game we had it and we came back after being down the entire game and we lost and then just the season from there was crazy and then Derek Rose didn't show up and then now then the narrative wasn't even about basketball anymore now it was about how the organization and the players are all messed up and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse um, it is it is straight up depressing. It really is. I mean, I am someone that is incredibly positive um, in life, and I am with the Knicks too. I always try to find the silver lining. I'm not really someone that just kind of jumps on the bandwagon and, and bashes them. Maybe like in private I do, but definitely not in public. Mm-hmm. And I try to always find the silver li- lining. Um, and it's it's difficult to find that right now. I mean, I, I love. There are a few players that I really, really am. am I, I do like. Um, obviously, everyone likes Godzingis, Porzingis, Kristaps the Great. 
Um, he's he's the future for us, no doubt about it. I really do want to start building around him. I thought that it's fascinating. I thought at first, you know, I'm, I'm ping ponging in my head. At first, I thought that Mello and Kristaps couldn't really coexist because Mello was so ball dominant, and it wasn't going to allow him to grow, and we couldn't build around him. But then I actually realized that it's not so much Mello and Kristaps; it's Mello and Rose have a difficult time gelling on the cross court together because they're both so ball dominant and they're both so lackadaisical on defense. So when you have both of them on the court together, that's when there's a lot of um, vulnerability for us. It wasn't so much mellow with Kristaps. So, you know, I, I'm not as um, – I would love to see – what would be amazing for me is if Rose and Noah would – agree to come off the bench. I think that would change a lot. I think Mello and Kristaps can coexist on the court. I think he can grow with just one person that's ball dominant, not two. Um, and then let Rose destroy second units with his scoring ability. Um, let Noah kind of – he's not our starting center. He obviously has been incredibly disappointing. I do love the guy. I love his energy, but he's just not the guy he used to be. Obviously, Willie – Willie's looking amazing. I love Willie. I've loved Willie since day one. I think that Kristaps and Willie have an awesome chemistry together. That's the front court of the future. Let them continue to play together. I think O'Quinn and Noah could do well together in, in, as a front court for the second unit and let Rose just dominate with, with Holiday, kick out the Holiday for the three. I like Holiday and Lee a lot. I would want to keep them. I think they're good on defense. They're both good 3 and D guys. Um, so, you know, for me, Kristaps, Lee, Holiday, Willie, O'Quinn, those are my guys that I'm, I really want to keep. Everyone else, to be honest, is up for grabs. We desperately need a starting point guard that, that is a very smart player that can, that can distribute and d- defend. I, love, I, I do like Jennings, but he's, just, he's not starting point guard material. He, 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 he over-defends. He gambles too much. He is pass first, but he can't shoot right now. For some some reason, his shot is just gone. We need a, a point guard that can knock down open shots. Doesn't have to be a scorer, but he can. He needs to knock down open shots. I'm kind of, I'm kind of keen on Drew Holiday. I like Drew Holiday. He's going to be a free agent this season. I think that Drew would be awesome next to Kristaps uh, and Courtney Lee. Um, obviously, Tommy would have been awesome, but we didn't get him this this summer. So those are kind of some of my thoughts. I can keep going and going and going. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm also not I'm not one of these guys that's just like, mellow sucks and this stinks and this, 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 this. Like, I think there's yeah. there are ways to fix it, but <laughs> but, uh, but preferably we, we do need to make some changes, though. Yeah, no, and you clearly understand the game, and just by speaking to you a couple times and just hearing what you had to say now, we got a big big audience of New York Knicks fans, so you know, I'm sure that will resonate with, with a lot of the things you said. I thought you said a lot of well, well-thought-out thoughts about someone who clearly understands the game, and you know, I kind of agree on that. And uh, you know, when you have Mello and Rose out there together, two guys that on defense don't play defense and on offense need the ball, it's sort of – 
you know, why I think Melo would be best somewhere else for the Knicks long term is Porzingis is he's sort of the third option, and he's so far away from the basket with this roster. And I think if they change the roster a little bit, I think he'll be more of a focal point. And you get a lot of people say, well, he's not ready for the number one option, which is true, but there's no other way to get ready than to actually get thrown into the mix. So I think a lot of times I watch he's sort of fading away, and I'm a little bit nervous he's starting to deteriorate a little bit, which is why I would like to you know, see a change. And before we let you go, Ryan, I want to get your quick thoughts on, on, on Phil Jackson, um, who obviously has had a very mixed uh, performance here in New York. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what is your, your Phil uh, two cents? Yeah, man, wow, the, 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 the narrative around Phil changed fairly quickly, too. That was incredible. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. I, I think that too many people are pointing out his downs right now, um, it's particularly the Noah signing. But, I mean, fun. the guy found us Kristaps. He found us Willie. He, you know, nobody's giving him credit for Willie. That's an amazing find in the second round. His Willie European, is, his European one of the, scouting has been very good, very good. Very good. Even Kuzmingus. I mean, I mean, like, I, I, I love him. I think that, yeah, the Euro, the Euro scouting has been great. He's willing to take risks, which I really like. He doesn't play it safe. He doesn't give a shit about Dolan. Like, he, Phil's going to do what he wants to do, which I like. Whether he's made some bad moves, absolutely. But I think almost every GM has made some bad moves if you really want to scrutinize everything they've done. At least, I mean, he was had a mess. He was handed a pile of, of poop. Like, it's not much you can do. So he had to make some drastic changes with the minimal flexibility he had. At least he hadn't given up any picks, which I think is smart. Um, he hasn't leveraged the future. Obviously, the no-trade clause that he gave Mello was shocking. I'm surprised someone of his stature agreed to that. But I guess at the time, we were all like, you got to keep Melo at all costs. I mean, you were just going to be – we didn't have Chris Stapps at the time, and we all really wanted to, to keep Melo because otherwise we were, we were really going into rebuild mode. A lot of the, that changed after we got Chris Stapps, and everyone thought that Porzingis was the future. Then they're like, oh, man, why did we get Melo? Well, we didn't have him then. So you can always be a Monday morning quarterback, quarterback but nobody knew that uh, Porzingis was going to be as good as he is. So – I think that I, I, you know, I'm okay with Phil. I don't have as much of a beef with Phil as everyone else does. I don't think he's the, the, the best, but I, I think he's he has a lot of chutzpah and he's he's making moves and he's willing to do things. Pretty, you know, he's willing to pull the plug on people. He hasn't he has no fear of anyone, including Mello. Um, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to try to get this team better and. That's that's all I care about is that his his intentions are in the right place and he's going to keep trying to get the team better and you know keep finding one or two Euro people that are great and I'm fine with it. <laughs> you got it. I saw a great tweet from our guy Tommy D. He was talking about how the Spurs found Ginobili and Parker in France and then of course well, Ginobili in Europe, Parker in France, and then made it a trade for Kawhi. So there's lots of ways to build, but of course when you have Greg Popovich, it's a lot easier than to do when you have Pop on your side. Ryan, this was great. Congratulations on the great news. Try to keep uh, your head up as we go through the rest of this next season, and uh, we'll be in touch with you shortly. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. That was Ryan Harwood, the CEO of PureWow. You could follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanHarwood27. Great chat with Ryan today. Thanks to the sponsors. Enjoy the game this weekend. Atlanta, 31. New England, 26. Adios.
one that you heard about. Talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth. Social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be. Talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next. Cause that's the type of podcast you listen to. Powered by the hyper, grand to the man. Yo, Ryan at the forefront. Got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront. Listen to the broadcast, it touches almost anything. Sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing. So listen to the man right ahead of his time. On your podcast, you can download or listen live. So here comes the podcast, here comes your host. The Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast. In any way you want to do it, listen to the show. Ryan got the insights. The Burger Shop, you know. Burger. 